0: This podcast was first released on January the 4th, 2021, to coincide with the airing at 2pm on Radio 4 of a play by our special guest, Dan Rebolato. So do check out that play, You and Me, which is today, release day, January the 4th, on BBC Radio 4, and available for a month thereafter on BBC Sounds. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydock, try to guess what my special guest's favourite things about their chosen Doctor Who story are. Well, hello. I don't know about you, but I'm unwinding after a very long day in the company of a fabulous Doctor Who story. Um... My special guest is the playwright Dan Rebolato. And this is what he sounds like.
1: Hi, Toby. I have chosen the rebos operation.
0: So there's just an inkling of Dan so that uh, uh, his is a familiar voice when he outlines the very clever thing he will doubtless choose to wax uh, lyrical about uh, and with great insight. Um... Uh, I've loved the way that different people have responded to this challenge. Some people have surprised me um, uh, 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 and uh, some I'm not surprised at uh, how how Dan has approached this. I thought he went into great detail with episode one. So he's going to have really interesting things to say. Um, So let's see what, uh, first of all, you, lovely listener who's come to my house, at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go back and watch the video of part one. Um, or if you want to listen to my voice in part one. My partner is asleep on the sofa. Because she's had a very long day. Uh, and didn't want to... And wanted to be down here. Um, but I've but because of the way that my cameras and everything is set up. I've sort of got them all plugged into cables. Because they were running out of batteries. Uh, and during one point in part one she was moving in her sleep and her leg was sort of flying about and I had to keep an eye to make sure she didn't kick the camera tripod over or catch her leg in the cable. So, um, <laughs> and I and I've decided to be professional and not refer to it at the time. But thinking about it now, I'm thinking, I must have been looking with abject terror <laughs> to see make sure the camera wasn't being kicked over. Anyway, this is all part of it. I'm in a jolly mood this evening. I've been really buoyed by getting to grips with episode one of the reboss operation so now join me for episode two as we press play in three two one um yeah and it's not a story as dan said in his introduction to part one uh it's not a story that a lot of people talk about and yet funnily enough this was claimed very early on. Dan was one of the first people I approached to do this and one of the first people to come right back at me. And he even put his own background in the video. If you're listening to the audio version of this, he's, he he was speaking from inside the TARDIS because he'd, he'd, he'd gone to real effort with the video, which I do appreciate. Um, but then somebody... I do like them. You don't see enough blood in Doctor Who. I know that's... that's but I have... A, a, there's a bloodthirsty child inside me. Um i mean that's that's me i haven't just eaten a bloodthirsty child or kidnapped one and kept it in my stomach um we haven't even mentioned Prentice hancock um but um somebody else uh i i i asked i asked um uh, somebody else to to to, to nominate a, a, a story, and uh, the message came back saying, "Oh, yeah, they'd really like to choose uh, the rebos operation." I was like, "It's already been chosen." And one, they were very surprised, and two, they were really annoyed because they wanted to be the ones that champion the rebus operation. And there's something to said about that, isn't there? There's something uh, about, you know, it's a, it's obvious to 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 eulogise uh, the caves of Androzani and I love it, and I will but i but that's easy it doesn't feel quite so cool as going but when we get to the androids of tara i'm loving that as well i mean i have to love all of them but but uh, i will find it i uh, i will feel i will and it's something about again this identifying with you know the doctor who 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 doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't follow the crowd or whatever you know there's 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 always something much more satisfying about that uh, liking a story that other people don't like because you're sort of going, ah, but that means, uh, uh, you know, I can discern things that the lesser mortals cannot. Uh, <laughs> that's a nice hire. Did Spenton Foster's actually... We, we never really talk about George Spenton Foster as director. Did I say he worked on uh, the Quatermass experiment? He was a cool boy, and, and and then he worked on Out of the Unknown, so he had science fiction pedigree. Um, Now... Somebody should have made those two guards kneel in the same way. Uh, is my thought with that? Uh, oops, the guards Shreve's. Dudley um, uh, uh, Simpson's doing a cracking job on this. Um, I mean, presumably we're not supposed to, this. This isn't real music, uh, but it, it does sort of blur the lines between what is ceremonial music that we're supposed to that you know that is there in the world. Because uh, it's big, isn't it? It's filling the room. It's filling the screen. But I love it. And and uh, is this Prentice Hancock's best performance in the show? Uh, I think he's saddled with two very tricky parts in Planet of Evil and uh, Planet of the Daleks. Uh, he's actually very good in Episode Two of Spearhead from Space. He's very natural because he does he does tend to play parts of people. Who are rather furious, unnecessarily furious? You get the impression that his character has always just dashed off a letter to the council about the state of the pavements, <laughs> and then has had to, and then has been, and has been called just as he, just as his coffee was at the right temperature, uh, and he was just about to have a drink, and now somebody's come to ask him wh- 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 who his favourite Muppet is, uh, and he's, oh, he's, he's 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 always a bit cross, but. It's very useful in this because he's actually a very solid, sort of po-faced, and he's not and he's not yielding to the temptation to join in with everybody else because that's not what the job of this character is. Uh, uh, he's he's playing it straight. I like the way he stroked his moustache with his leather glove there, um, but he's he's complementing what Ian Cuthbertson is doing so gloriously, very well. Do I, I I don't really go on forums much much anymore, apart from to plug plug my wares or whatever. But I remember there was a there was a thing on Outpost Gallifrey where somebody listed all the guest characters I think in Doctor Who and just said uh, best guest character, and you had to eliminate one. And people did them all for really arbitrary reasons, and it was just a silly a random thing. But when there are about eleven left. It was, there were people left like Astrid from uh, Enemy of the World who I think won it in the end. But of the last 11, I think, Garen, Garen was the only one who was really a, a brilliant character. Because, as I say, it was a sort of silly thing that was was done. There were no rules. It was a bit sort of Mornington Crescenty or whatever. Uh, and I remember the abject disappointment somebody very innocently who, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe they didn't know Rebus Operation or maybe they, they were just playing this game with no rules in their own way got rid of garen and the palpable sense of everybody else on the forum going oh no that was he was the one that was supposed he's the only one left that's actually got anything about him uh and, and i don't remember the, the first thing that limited what oh i didn't know sorry <laughs> yeah you know you could tell that everybody listening was going, well, so long as nobody deletes garen this whole thing we've been doing for months is going to be worth it <laughs> um because ian cuthbertson is really really good uh and very well known for being uh uh in uh, in charlie Endel esquire in budgie and uh and he's in the stone tape by nigel neal uh great man of the theater as well i think he had something to do with the royal court where dan i think has done stuff um I like Shellac Scar as well. The, the 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 relationship between these two is brilliant. The characters are really well drawn. He's got very wet lips, hasn't he, Paul Seed? It's because he's doing a lot of shouting. Uh, but it's good shouting. Um and and Dan talked a lot in part 1 about yeah, what what his story is, uh the fact that he's put, the idea that the Doctor Who story is about a con, I think is is nice and you know now that we have you know things like hustle and uh, uh, and the uh, you know the ocean's 11 i know that's a remake but that spawned a few others didn't it and uh, sort of capers not many doctor who stories are capers i know time heist was more recently wasn't it i think i think the the caper is a is a genre that doctor who could do a little more especially if it brings us into the orbit of characters like Garen and Unstoff, who are consistently through this story working against the doctor and yet you really like them uh and that's a nice pull for the audience is you because you what you're sort of often you're thinking you know how is the doctor going to defeat this baddie and i'll enjoy you know watching the doctor escape uh the doctor and the companion not die and escape whereas this it's more like well we you know we yeah we want them to outwit these con men but we also like the con men so how are we gonna end this story satisfactorily with all of the people we like okay seeing as those two outcomes seem at odds with each other Um, and all and all this all this backstory and and the and the con and uh, 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 and the fact that G- garen is being as bold as brass uh trying to uh, to outwit these you know we're in no doubt that these are very very dangerous people uh um I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna run a r- great risk of doing what under normal circumstances I'm sure you'd love me to do of, of being quiet because uh, I, I love listening to this dialogue. I love watching these performances. Um, but <laughs> and he's having such fun. I think he was written, he was conceived as an Australian character, which is why I think we still have the line about Sydney Harbour Bridge in, is that in the next episode? Um, but the the casting meant that uh, uh, that was slightly changed, although Ian Cuthbertson was Scottish. Um, uh but uh, the Hackney Wick stuff and all of that is great. Oh and this is the whole this is a great con. So they've gone in to this chamber and they have placed the Jethric, which is a dummy Jethric, the the Scringston. So it's quite an elaborate con. So we've got unstuff here. I haven't mentioned Nigel Plaskett either. I'm going to have time, aren't I? So don't don't Um, so we don't actually know yet that this is Unstuff, uh, or do we? I don't, but that we do now and he's, and he's having fun. Uh, (laughs) and he plays this part of Unstuff playing this part very well. And he does have a really innocent face. He was very, very, well known for a nasal spray advert, uh, Nigel Plaskett playing a character called Malcolm, uh, So one of those, yes, one of those. You don't get that quite so much anymore. But an actor who's not a household name, being known as that bloke from that advert, uh, when of course there were only a very small number of channels, and you know adverts were 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 seen uh, much more widely. uh, Um, uh, but but this this place this placing of him to tell this story which he does so seemingly guilelessly Uh, and of course the Jethric uh, is, is it's the comp because it is actually worth a lot but they're pretending that they don't know it's worth anything which means that the guys being conned think that they're conning the conners which in terms of the morality uh, you know enables the con merchants to go well actually come on we're actually conning guys who were thinking they were conning us so in a way we can sort of get away with it um whereas actually what it's worth is it's worth even more to the doctor and romana because it turns out to be the segment of the key to time which is shows how in, ingeniously it's been uh, it's been brought in uh, and i like the fact i think in lesser hands that would have been a knee to the leg and Unstoff would have gone ooh and it would have been an obvious you're do- instead the quiet standing on the foot has the same effect stop going over the top you're overplaying your part uh let's have a bit of a comedy correction and a bit of uh, yeah, physical pain uh, 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 deployed from the senior member of the partnership to the junior comedy klutz all that's, you know par for the course but uh, I'm I'm pleased that instead of it being an obvious oh um, I love his uh speech, that's a glorious moment, that may well that certainly qualifies for <laughs> for being my moment of the episode, but I'm sure it, uh, it's not going to be the lone moment of, of beauty in this. Romana's coat is glorious as well, and that why because white is very dangerous. Uh, I, I mean, Mary Tam is one of those people you can imagine would wear white for the entire day and not, and uh, not get a blemish on it. Uh, I'm the sort of person that puts on a clean shirt and I, I either scuffs it or a button falls off or I get bean juice on it within approximately 30 seconds, even if the nearest bean is on Mars. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a scruffy man and I, I'm not happy about that. I, I have a brother who holds himself very well and can dress out of stuff that he's, he's bought from a second-hand shop and make it look a million dollars. You put me in a Versace suit. Uh, I would look like uh, a a, 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 a vicar who'd been rolled around in a yard and then uh, put inside a vibrating car uh, and then covered in brambles and sick. Uh, I have a very positive self-image. And I I suppose I can understand why... doctor who fans aren't massively turned on by this it's a very it's an atypical story it's a curious one for a season opener um you know it's a it's a very charming fable um that that you know you could you could i, I think you'd have as a sort of mid-season uh, jolly uh, nowadays, where you know you've you've earned the right to have one of those because you've had, you know, planets exploding in episode one, and you know, fleet of Daleks in episode twelve, and you know, in the middle, yeah, you can have, you can have uh, a, a, a bit of a bit of something a bit lighter. Um, this is uh, oh, it does that so well because he's it's a comic performance but he you know the 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 genuine danger lurking beneath all of this is palpable it's very clear so i'm not saying it's a frivolous story at all The the sense of danger is 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 very well conveyed um but it's a it's an undercurrent um and it's done through character uh Actually, the cold acting in this is very good. I know that's a th- that that may sound like I'm damning it with faint praise, but I believe that it is cold here, uh, and I know for a fact that it is not. Um, uh, oh, and so yes, the graph is being bugged, so his suspicions have been aroused. So it becomes bluff and double bluff and cross and double cross in the best way that a crime caper should be um gosh she looks amazing that she uh, and i'm not just talking about physical attractiveness although she is a very physically attractive woman she is so elegant and doctor who is a low budget show and and anything that can bring natural glamour uh is is really really helpful because Doctor Who's not a very glamorous show. It's not the Avengers, which had big budgets and was all on film and had, you know, movie actors and all of that sort of thing going on. This is television centre, uh, in the seventies. Uh, that th- th- those are not necessarily glamorous things, and yet Mary Tam, effortlessly, just I think, adds class. And yeah, glamorousness. Um, I I love Nigel Plaskett. He's extremely likable. He was he's a puppeteer for Spitting Image. I, I, I'm assuming not the modern iteration of it. It's just been relaunched uh, as I record this. Um, but when Spitting Image was at its height in the eighties, Nigel Plaskett was was uh, was one of the puppeteers. And he's just launched a series on on children's BBC where he's uh, he's he's still part of uh uh that that side of things he's a vocal performer too but uh and i think he's involved in production as well um i wrote i wrote it up but these days knowledge information unlike in the olden days when i would uh you know stuff seemed to stick limpet like into the recesses of my brain where i'd go where i could go you know John Hamill was in this film and that film and the other. Uh, Nigel Plastica, I've written extensively about in my column for Doctor Who magazine about a new series that he's launched on children's BBC this year, uh, and I know it's if it's not puppety, it's it's animated or something. Uh, and <laughs> I actually wrote the words. I read the press release. I looked it up. Check check my story. Blah blah blah. Can I remember the details now? Something that I committed to print two months ago. Nope. What's your name? Why am I cooking my shoes? <laughs> that's how it happens. Uh look, it's glorious design work. And I yeah, I love this. Uh anything I don't know, anything that sort of silent understanding between characters uh, always has a, a weight for me and when it's done well it, it uh, you know when faces and a- actions speak louder than words I always find that quite compelling dramatically there's there's some sort of subterfuge going on and, and it gives it a weightiness you know um, did Robert Keegan run a donkey sanctuary I think he might have done you know uh, but he was well known for Zed Cars and Softly Softly he was Sergeant Blackett so he was a very well-known uh, face on television, Robert Keegan. Uh, uh, but he's he's great here as uh, Sholak. I, I like the relationship. I like the fact that the subordinate is the older man. And so although the Graffin Decay outranks Sherlock, it, he respects him uh, and uh, and... And Scholak is, uh, you know, is the old soldier um, uh, who, uh, yes, although, as I say, he is, he is subordinate to the Graf, actually their relationship goes up and down depending on what each is bringing to the table. It's a good dynamic that I don't think I've explained brilliantly, but, um, and I like the way the actors do it, I believe the actors have, I believe these guys have a history uh i certainly believe they respect each other uh, um, uh, and 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 you know credit to to as i say credit to Prentice hancock who who was a, 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 an actor you know that people knew and 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 i think on the back of better parts uh you know to accept the role of captain he doesn't even have have a name uh uh it's it's important having somebody no nonsense in that role uh and and i think he does it well um and I, and i have said about um Prentice hancock who i've had the pleasure of interviewing and uh, and i've enjoyed the company of um uh uh but but i but i, I sometimes when he's playing those sort of hot-headed characters uh, he he does have that uh he does have a strange ability to be both wooden and over the top at exactly the same time. And I, I think that is quite a skill, but it's an odd one. Uh, And it's, yes, it's bold, isn't it? Cause this, uh, but again, the the wind and the snow, this, this works. I mean, yeah, it's studio bound, but uh, I think the illusion, uh, the illusion is given and, and carried off uh and yes, it's fake snow and it's not melting and you nowadays I mean there's a company that paints breath onto actors uh I, I remember a, f- a friend of mine was uh, was in Band of Brothers and I was surprised when he told me that a lot, lot of the stuff that they did in the snow episodes was done in the studio. I couldn't believe it and he said yeah and yeah and they, theres there is a company. Uh, and I can't remember what they're called, but they're called something like Snow Breath or something like that. And their job is to go frame by frame to give actors cold breath in, uh, uh, you know, to, to sell the illusion of that. It's absolutely extraordinary that in, in such a small amount of time, a little different pockets in the industry crop up to tackle certain, you know, certain problems um, that, we, we just you know, you just knew well, they can't do that, so you know we just have to accept that. Uh, and you did as viewers. You colluded um, uh, in 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 television drama of this time. Um, you you knew that this was a, a a suggestion of reality, and the reality maybe came from the performances, even if it's a heightened reality. Um, and and, you know the 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 artifice of the sets and that sort of thing passed for reality you accepted um, that it was a suggestion an evocation of what was real and that's why I've always loved the acting in Doctor Who because the people in it have to convince you of things that aren't true and are sometimes spectacularly untrue and are sometimes spectacularly silly are uh, sometimes spectacularly inconceivable uh and and it and it has to and you we have to think it's real um and <laughs> now this is this is because uh, because tom Baker tom Baker you can tell when he respects the person that he's acting opposite. Uh, he'll sometimes join in. He's sometimes a bit deferential. Uh, this is very good. Uh, yeah, it's. it's. Uh, no one makes a fool of the graph in Decay and lives. Oh, yes. I love this. I think it's absolutely terrific um but I'm um, yeah is am i am i keen on that final close-up of the doctor i'm not sure but that doesn't matter that doesn't matter there's a few of those where tom sort of slightly nods and winks at the the i remember the end of it, episode one of the sun makers he kind of does a really um it's it's one of those yeah it's one of those things that i think uh uh, a a a a stronger producer might have gone. Yeah, let's let's not do those things. Um, but that's glorious. That's glorious. Uh, and Tom Baker and Ian Cuthbertson, I think, is a match made in heaven. Uh, June Hudson's done like, doing a great job. Ken Ledsham too. Um, it's good in it. It's good in it. So, what am I gonna what am I gonna choose for that? I think uh come on pause sorry everybody i just need to don't know why this is not pausing hang on Uh, sorry, my remote. Can... I had te- technological problems, so I've just had to do a a, a quick edit. Oh. Right, so. I-, I couldn't pause my disk, so I've had to take it out. So uh, I might have had to do a quick edit there, but I've not been cheating. So uh, let's have a look. So, my thing, I think. My thing for episode two, before we cut to playwright Dan Rebolato to see what he has chosen for episode two, I think it's got to be Unstoff's scringestone tale, uh, which I think is delightful and it's a great synthesis of you know Robert Holmes's world building, even though it's a false world that he's built. It is still rich and gorgeous. um the performance of Nigel Plaskett doing it. the whole I think the the judgment of the whole scene is pretty spot on, and uh, it's negotiated very carefully, and I think with a deftness and a lightness of touch, and I enjoy being in it, I enjoy being, and I know, and it's, and it knows it's slightly silly, but I think it, it, I think you know that it knows that, Uh, and it's just like a warm blanket of cheerfulness, and joy, and everybody sort of enjoying themselves but not sometimes uh, when everyone's having a good time they forget to, to make sure you do too you're absolutely joining in with that you're you're having a, a cozy old jolly time in that scene with a lot of people working in a rather lovely fashion so the Stone monologue by unstoff
1: what's dan chosen episode two uh, so I'm going to go much more specific here. The thing I love in episode two, probably most of all, is the Scringestone Stone scene uh, in in the strong room, uh, and uh, I love it. I accept it doesn't really make much sense. It's not clear at all what on stuff is doing. Is he really, you know, they've got a very worked out plan and he seems to go completely off piste to try and get, you know, a little bit of money for a fake map, which seems kind of weird. Uh I also accept it's very odd that Unstoth, uh, Unstoth and Garen are carrying around this piece of Jethric, which by all accounts, it makes anyone unbelievably wealthy. So why they need to do these con tricks, I don't know. But that aside, it's a fantastic scene. It's very, very funny. It's a brilliant interplay of all the main characters. You've got Garen and Unstaff, you've got Sholak and the Graf in Decay, and then you've got uh, uh, the Doctor and Romana. And it's kind of fantastic seeing the uh, discomfiture of of Garon as Unstoff starts talking, the sort of bemusement and suspicion of the Graf and, and Uh, and then the fantastic moment where, and it really feels like it's Tom Baker doing this as much as the Doctor, where he sees the awkwardness going on and he thinks, that's fun, I'm going to go in and wind this up even further uh, and uh, it's uh and tom baker is just wonderful in that sequence and you know he's joining in and chatting and everyone is sort of bemused by his presence uh it's it's a it's a fantastic thing it's very as i say it's very very funny i think it ends with um the a very that very funny line that i uh, I th- I've thought about it very often that when they've been saying that Arnstoff can't be a crook because he has such an honest open face and Tom Baker saying to Romana very sharply, but he wouldn't be a very successful crook with a dishonest face. Uh, great line. Fantastic.
0: Yes. I chose the same thing as Dan. So it's one all or oh, the stakes just got higher. Um, Well, that's very exciting. I was intending to go to bed, but I'm having a joyous time on the planet Rebos. So I hope you can join me uh, next time I am there, which for me, I think will be in mere moments. For you, because of the nature of scheduling of podcasts, you may have to wait a little while. Uh, Or not, depends if you save them up. Uh, uh, you You know what they say, if you save them up, you'll never suffer from the scringes, no matter how cold it be. (laughs) so uh, uh, take care uh, avoid the scringes uh, and I will speak to you next time we reconvene on the planet rebos take care thanks for listening to happy times and places with me toby hadoke my special guest was dan rebelato this episode's featured patrons are Rob Leonard, Keith Say, Sebastian April, Mark Aldridge and Anthony Carroll. You can join them by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby and signing up there. The music for this podcast is specially composed by Dave Gates and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Dan Rebolato's play You and Me is today, January the 4th on BBC Radio 4 at 2pm. If today for you isn't January the 4th, well, you've got till February the 4th to catch up on BBC Sounds. And if it's beyond February the 4th, I'm sorry about that. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and please rate and give five stars and review this positively wherever you can. That sort of stuff really does help. Thank you so much. More at my website, www.tobehado.com.